Do you find he's worthy this morning? Amen. Amen. The worthy lamb. I'm glad to know he's worthy. Amen. Not only is he worthy, but he's been accepted on our behalf. Amen. We're the children of the king today. Amen. In the presence of the king. Shall we talk to the Lord together? Father, we worship you today. From the depths of our hearts, we just want to express our love and appreciation to you. Because you're our God and we're your children. As I spoke to you today, Lord, reminding you of the Psalms, the Lord is our shepherd. Being, Lord, your ruler of all. Oh, God, you're certainly the ruler of my life, Lord. I'm glad you're my king. And you're my shepherd. And I shall not want. May your people know today that the shepherd is here today to shepherd his people into green pastures. Lord, to lead them beside still waters and to restore souls. I pray, God, that there will be such a restoring today, a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You'll speak in a very precise manner today. Lord, very clearly. Oh, God, with power and unction and anointing. Let that anointing break every yoke, yoke of unbelief, oh, God. And may the Holy Spirit just break through upon this audience. Moving, Lord, into their lives past unbelief and the confusion of the day and hour. Lord, let your word have preeminence now. As I just report for duty and surrender myself, I ask in Jesus' name, you will bless us for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see each one of you that is here with us today. We just welcome you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Happy to have you in the service with us and uh, each, each one that has come. May the Lord bless you in a very, very special way today. Um, we're, we're just um, really happy to be here this weekend. As you know, last Sunday we had um, the uh, electrical storm and, and uh, knocked down some power poles and weren't able to be in service. And... Uh, Brother, Brother Tim Winter said to me, Brother Tim, you, you got, you got a, a sermon to make up this morning. <laughs> I said, I'm afraid a lot of people have got that on their mind. <laughs> Amen. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good that we can gather here today. I'm just happy to, that we can have this experience to worship God. We're going to be looking into the book of Exodus, and we'll start with chapter 12 and verse 1. I want to try to get right into the word this morning. And I, I want, as we, as we uh, come to the scripture today, I want to just really impress upon your mind that we're in a very, very um, important place right here. And I'm not talking about in the scripture, I'm talking about in time, where we're right here on the brink or the edge of eternity. And I want you to to pay special attention this morning and give uh, the due diligence 
to, every, to hear every word that is being spoken today because what I have to say today is of very vital importance. Amen. And I want you to give your full attention to it. I, I will just tell, tell you I have prayed over every part of this sermon today. I put hours into his preparation and not only this one but ones that will follow as we probably won't get everything today. But um, just saying that, I, I just want you to realize that these messages are not just hours of preparation, but a, a life of preparation. You know, and the sermons come not just out of hours, but out of a life. And, um, and so, you know, in light of where we are at this time, this is a message that I believe is very crucial and of utmost importance. Yes, and so I'm going to just give you the title now of what we're going to speak about this morning before we read the scripture. And we're going to be speaking today on the message of the Exodus. Yes. The message of the Exodus. And we will read from Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying... This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the children of the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to this number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account of the lamb. Your man, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. His head with his legs and with the, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let none, nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. 
Skipping down to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of his door, the door at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and then on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I would like today as we look into this message of the Exodus to declare and remind you one more time that we are in the great hour of another Exodus. And it is the third Exodus. Being that the first exodus that we have just read about um, where that Moses called Israel out of Egypt. In the second exodus, Jesus would call the church from Judaism and its law to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and to enter into a new covenant of grace. And now after being dispersed through the seven ages, we are now being called from the confusion of the ages into the Holy Ghost so that we can receive our Messiah and go into a rapture. And this is the third exodus. And we are now in it. And it is not over until we leave this dimension in a rapture clothed in a new body. And and, um, in Moses' day, the message of the exodus entailed a lot more than God was sending a prophet with signs and gifts and was raining plagues upon Pharaoh. But it contained some special, specific instructions to Israel that had to do with their deliverance. And for the Exodus, it would require an atonement of the Lamb and the applying of its blood. And without the blood, the destroyer would not pass over the house, but would have access into that house. And in like manner, the Exodus today requires the atonement of the Lamb and the applying of its blood. For without blood, you're tribulation bound. And you will, you know, you will just remain behind in Egypt and there will be no rapture or no Exodus for you. The only way that there can be an Exodus for you is to come under that blood. Now, before uh, leaving Egypt, God spoke to his prophet, and he gave his people a message for the Exodus. And this is where that we're drawing our inspiration from. For this message would contain a warning about the approaching death that was coming upon the land, and then also instructions that must be followed carefully. They're very detailed, very specific um, instructions that they must follow and they must keep every bit of it. 
just to do it partially would not work. It would have to be done completely and, and followed through carefully. And then, of course, upon doing that, it would enable them to escape the death and then to exodus out of the land of Egypt. And, of course, in that day, it would not have been good to be left behind. And neither will it in this day be good to be left behind. We must not be left behind. It ought to be something that we say in our hearts all the time. I must not. No matter what it costs, I must not be left behind. The last plague was death and it was about to fall. And to escape death, there must be a substitute, a lamb to die in your place. And the judgment was upon everybody. It was upon the Egyptians. It was upon the Israelis. Uh, everybody alike, the firstborn of all, was under the sentence of death. And judgment will fall and, and understand the, the message is the judgment is going to fall either upon you or upon your lamb. Now this is a very clear, very precise thing that a prophet's bringing a message because of an exodus. And he's letting them know the wrath is here. And the wrath is now falling. And, and, and that there's only one way to escape it. Because it'll either fall upon you or it'll fall upon your lamb. But something must face the judgment. Even the firstborn of Israel would perish unless the Israelites would obey the message of the exodus. The message was not just going to be something that was nice and, and, and wonderful and, and, and stimulating to the intellect. It was more than that. It was a direct message on how to escape the judgments that are coming. And you can see and we can already hear the judgments that are in the land today. We can hear the cries upon the homes, upon the lands, upon the people, upon, you know, in our government, in our nation, in the world, where that, the death angel is striking. Amen. And sin is, a, is a abounding and, and the wrath of God is already beginning to fall. And you can see it as we, as we are witnessing pre-tribulation plagues that are coming upon the earth. But for Israel, there was a way to escape that death. And that was for the, a lamb to die in their place. And I just want to say to you today, no matter how holy we may be or how righteous we may think we are, every one of us is under the sentence of death. Every one of us. Amen. Every one of us have been judged worthy of death. But understand there has been a lamb that has taken our punishment. And stood in our place. Amen. It's not that we have been without sin. It's not that we have been a perfect people. But it is by the grace of God that he would send a message. That would provide a way of escape. But it must be followed carefully. It must be entered into sincerely. It must come from hearts that 
are, are willing and ready to leave and making preparations to leave. Are you with me? Amen. So there was a way to escape that death for a lamb to die in their place. And this whole process would begin with a message coming to a prophet and then telling about a lamb and then uh, this lamb must be without blemish. Then there would be on the needing on the 10th day of the month for there to be the selection of the lamb. Take the lamb and keep him up from the 10th day into the 14th and examine the lamb and to see that he's without blemish. And then there were, so there were the days of examination. This is where Brother Branham would say it was lamb time in Luther and lamb time in Wesley and lamb time in Pentecost. But he said, now it is time to apply the blood, the token. So we actually are entering into a different dispensation, if I would say, or a change here, or, or shall I say a continuation of the Passover process. It begins with the selection of the lamb, examining him, that those days of examination then kill the lamb, then take his blood and catch it in a basin. And now take that basin there, and here's another step, gather the hyssop. And, and so, and then dip that hyssop in the blood. And as we see here, begin to apply it to the door. Amen. Amen. In three places. Yeah. I want to get something to you as we look at this. Three places that the blood must be applied. Right. Can I say and submit to you that not just one place would work? It must be done precisely. It must be done completely. It's not enough just to strike the, the door with one, with one on one side and not the other. Or up above and not the others. But all three places must be stricken or smitten with blood. There must be a sign of the blood in all of these entrances into the house. Or else the house was, was, um, was under the threat of the death angel entering in. Now, so in our, our exodus, of course, is represented by these symbols that are here. We are the antitype. The first exodus is the type or the symbol of God's end time plan of redemption and we are here in the fulfillment of that type. They were, this was actually a story that's in the Bible that was prophesied of the end time. And so what is laying here, what we have read is our prophecy. It was being lived out there by the Israelis then. And in that hour and that time, and God would use them for an example. But, uh, but he, he's on, they were only prophesying of a greater Passover and a greater exodus to come. And I want you to understand that we are in that greater exodus. There is, will never be a greater exodus than this exodus right now. Amen. Now, like Israel, a perfect lamb must die and be accepted in our place. They would take the elements of the lamb's blood and paint on the lintel 
And on the two side posts of the entryway of their house, the blood was to be a token or a sign that the lamb had died and had been accepted in their place. So you see, this right here was was the sign that there was a a lamb in that house. And that judgment had come on that lamb. And that lamb had been accepted in their place. This would allow the death angel or cause the death angel to pass over. And I want you to understand we're in another Passover. This is the very hour of passing over where the death angel is passing over. And I'm passing over, looking, looking at every house. There's some houses he's not passing over. They have no blood there. Amen. There, there are, and when I speak of house, I'm not just talking about this earthly house here. I'm talking about these bodies. Amen. This house. This house has to be under the token. This flesh. Are you with me? Amen. But I want you to understand, you know, it's in three places of entrance. Three places that represent entrance. And that is the flesh, the body. The spirit realm. Amen. Which is, which is memory, imagination, conscience, affection, and reasoning, which are entrances. And then there is the soul, which is, there's an entrance into the soul. And all three must be under the blood. It is not enough just for your flesh to be under the blood. And you shout and you dance and, and you rejoice. Or maybe you wear holy garments or you look holy or you present yourself as holy. On the outside, it's got to be more than that. Amen. It's got to be more than just on your spirit. Amen. Where your spirit is moved and you, you shout or you rejoice. It's got to come down into that soul realm. Amen, where you are sealed into the day of redemption. Sealed away from danger. Amen, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. It's not enough just to have it upon your flesh. Not enough just to have it on your spirit. It's not enough. It's not enough to, to, to just have it on your, you know, just in those realms. It must come into the soul. Is everybody with me? Amen. Now, so as we're looking at this, Brother Branham would often, um, would often refer to the actual fluid of the blood as the chemistry of the blood. So referring to the physical properties of the blood, they would take, he would call it chemistry or the body fluid of a literal animal. And he, they would apply it here as a sign of the death of the lamb had been accepted and that the lamb had died for them. But uh, you see, you know, the animals, that's all they could put was, was the, on the entry of the home was just the body fluid that would represent the life of the lamb. The animal's blood was shed and used as a paint, as a sign, as a token upon the door, but the animal life and its innocence could not come upon the, the people. That, that undefiled nature of an unblemished lamb could not come upon the people. It could not change their hearts. 
The blood was only like a paint. And it didn't change the nature of the worshiper. But the lamb was only a substitute that was killed in their stead. Their sin. They were worthy of death. And a lamb was now accepted in their place. A lamb, animal's life has no soul. So the life of the lamb could not come back upon the worshiper. So he would remain unchanged. Except that the lamb was accepted, um, you know, accepted in his stead, in the stead of his life. Therefore, the blood stood for a token or a sign that the lamb's life has been taken in the worshiper's stead. Amen. I want you to pay real close attention. Those of you on these front rows right here, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? The spirit is... You know, just lulling you to sleep. I don't want nobody sleeping in this service. How can you sleep? I'm talking something very vital. Very important. Amen. Amen. And I don't mean to embarrass anybody. I'm I'm desperate for you to hear what I'm saying. This is an emergency. I I want this whole audience sit on the edge of your seat. And you listen to me like you've never listened to me in your life. I know I preached in this church for 49 years. And this may, this is probably one of the most important messages you'll ever hear me preach. I want you to get it. I don't want you to miss it. I've spent hours on my knees. I've spent moments together in the presence of God. And I'm, I'm impressing upon you again. Don't miss what I'm saying. Don't take this as old hat. Oh, we've heard all of this before. We know all of these analogies. I want you to hear it like you're hearing it for the first time. Now, so now, animal, the animal's soul couldn't come back upon the worshiper. Its nature couldn't come upon the worshiper. These people would go in the house. They would leave Egypt unchanged. In their nature, unchanged in their behavior, unchanged in their attitudes. But it, you know, in this exodus, it's a different exodus. That was only lamb's blood. We're talking about the lamb of God. And his soul and his nature is what must be displayed. Amen. Not only in your body, not only in your spirit. But from that realm of your soul. Now get this clear. Because again, as Brother Branham would emphasize this in the token and this glorious place under this covenant, there's a difference between the blood and the life. Amen. The token for the believer today is the Holy Ghost, not a blood, a chemistry referring to the physical property. That is being spread here of physical property. But it is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the token that God requires upon the church today. God must see this token. He must see it in every one of us. Now I want you to be real careful here. Because sometimes the usage of our words becomes a, a bit ambiguous. You know where... 
where that, um, you know, where we use the word token, token, and somehow we lose the meaning of what that means. What does a token mean? This was not said or used to be vague. This would be specific. And a token is a sign. So every time I say token, I want you to think sign. Amen. It was an evidence. Every time you, you say, when I say token, I want you to think evidence. And it's needed to show that the lamb had died and had been received in the worshiper's place. And there had to be an outward expression of what had happened on the inside. We got a day in, but we got a people today, so it don't matter what's on the outside, it's just what's on the inside. Let me tell you, it's got to be displayed. In the body, in the spirit, in the realm of the soul, it's, it's got to have full display. Everybody passing by, everybody walking by can see a lamb has died. There's worshipers in there. That behind this blood, there, there's followers of Jehovah. Amen. Following a message. They're in an exodus. They're getting ready to leave. And the devil can see when he comes by, this one's getting ready to leave. This is behind the blood. This one's under protection. We have, we have the Lamb of God's life today. It's the Holy Ghost. To receive it, to receive it is a sign that our sin debt has been paid. Let me get it. You may claim my sin debt is paid. You may claim I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. But only if the sign is there. The death angel knows. Amen. Come on. Amen. We, we just went through the youth camp where we, we met with opposing evil spirits. And I'll talk about that some more because... This really weighs heavy upon me as I look and see the reaction of demons. And there, you know, one example, and I could see it even when I faced them, the reaction on their faces, the reaction there in the people who were demon-possessed, where we cast them out. And there, even one example of where Brother Aaron walked in the room and, and, and they, as he did, he walks in the room and, he's, and, and they look and see him walk in and scream out, no! Because the devil knows who you are. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? I don't know how you feel about it, but I want to make sure that devil knows I'm a child of God. That he identifies me, amen, as somebody under the blood. Someone that is protected. Someone that has more than the pain of a blood, but has the very life of that blood, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, we we have the blood of the Lamb of God's life. And that's the Holy Ghost. So now I want you to think and in broad this is not only a sign, it's not only a token, but the token is the Holy Ghost. 
So now it's nothing ambiguous. We know what it means. When I see the Holy Ghost, I'll pass over you. If it's not there, you're subject. If it's just on your flesh, you're subject. If it just gets on your spirit round, you're still subject. It's got to be in all three rounds. Don't say it's in my soul and your body ain't subject. Don't say it's in your soul and your spirit hadn't been somewhat subject and anointed and possessed. The only way that it can be is if it's in the soul, it'll also be upon the flesh realm and the, and the, the spirit realm. Is somebody hearing me this morning. Amen. It must not be just seen one place. He must recognize it in every place. Now, so now you can say all you want to and make the claim. I've accepted the lamb, though, Brother Tim. I, I did that. I made my profession of faith. But unless the sign of his life is up all seen upon your life, then the death angel has a right to take you. Now, I saw the evidence of Satan possessing lives of people. And when it did, it, it contorted their faces. It controlled their actions. Amen. It spoke through their bodies using their voice. And this, I just want to go back for a moment and tell you as I was a boy sitting in Brother Bradham's meetings and there, there in the services there and watching the discernment, I saw a man. I saw a man that would come so under the influence of the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Amen. And that Spirit of God would control his actions. Amen. It would control his thoughts. It would control his voice. I would even see him looking out and and, and as in looking in, not here at the audience, but looking in another dimension somewhere. Going 40 years back in somebody's life or, or going forward and seeing them healed or delivered. Amen. And while doing so, he was, his eyes wasn't looking with an earthly look. But it was looking there with a, with a look there that I'm looking in another dimension. Are you with me? Amen. And, and there at youth camp, I saw the, the, other, the other influence, the satanic influence. Taking over bodies of women and men. Are you with me? And bringing them under their, under their powers of demonic spirits. And their eyes would it be in another dimension. And contorted look on their face. And their body controlled. And their motions controlled. And their voice controlled. Oh, I said, oh God, may it be that we become a people that comes under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That our body is controlled. Our spirit realm is controlled. And it's all controlled from a control tower within the soul where the Holy Ghost lives there and moves there and speaks there. I thought if the evil spirit could so take people, people and overtake them through a sin, through a complex, 
through looking at pornography, through some adultery or fornication, some sin, and could so possess them. Amen. What about a people that is sold out to righteousness? Filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. That we could be like those in the Bible in Him. We move and have our being. For we are His offspring. We have, we have the elements of Christ's blood. We have the life of his blood, the Holy Ghost, but it must be applied. I can't overemphasize this to our bodies, to our spirit realm. That includes your imaginations, your memories, your affections, your consciousness, your reasoning. Amen. And then, and then the soul and the Holy Ghost is a token. It is a sign on our bodies. Now let me tell you, it'll show in our dress. Amen. It'll show on our faces. It'll show even by the, the hair on our head. Amen. That's exactly right. It'll show in our speech. Amen. You say hair on the head? Yeah, the Bible said very clearly, and he can't deny his word. But he said a woman is to have uncut hair and a man is to have cut hair. It'll show when the Holy Spirit is applied. Are you with me? It will will show in your body. But let me tell you, just because you have long hair as a sister, short hair as a man, don't make you heaven bound. You know, that woman, she has such holy dress. That's wonderful. The blood must be applied there. That woman, she got a holy look. That's wonderful. You know, it should be applied there. That man has such a clean look, and he's different. And, and, and you know, he, the way he carries himself, the way he conducts himself, it's a holy look. The blood must be there. Amen. The memory, the affection, the conscience, your imagination. It can't be polluted with some porn star somewhere, anointed with some demon there to lust and evil. Come on. Your spirit has got to be pure and clean and the Holy Spirit applied there. Otherwise, it's an entrance through that spirit realm for the death angel to take you. But the But more than all, it must be in the holiest of holies, the soul realm. And that must be what's controlling your flesh, your spirit, everything about you. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will control your tongue. It'll control your anger. It'll control your passion. It'll control your pride. It'll control every bit of your, of your being. Yes. You know, and it's a sign that has to be displayed. Amen. Now, as the antitype, we have been through the process, processes down through the church ages. In preparation for this Passover today, we have had justification by Luther. The lamb was determined worthy and judged without blemish. 
We've had sanctification by Wesley, which was to take the blood in the basin. Now, remember, I'm just using these analogies. The Bible said these are examples. Amen. And, I, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not going to go out of the spirit of the message. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to project what the message trying to bring us. Are you with me? Then, then, of course, comes the last age and Azusa Street gathered the hyssop. And the age had some of the greatest exploits of faith that was ever seen. Amen. The Zusa movement with its healing and miracles gathered hyssops of faith and, and dipped it in blood with, for signs and wonders and miracles. But you can have all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles and still the death angel can get you. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, we had a miracle and I thank God for miracles in this church. Amen. I thank God for every one of them. But friends, the only thing that will keep the death angel away is the Holy Ghost. You must be under the blood. The message today is different from Luther's message where they judge the lamb without blemish or maybe Wesley's message where that in, in that day they would, uh, they would uh, gather the blood and say, oh, the blood and the blood and the blood and have it in the basin and his sanctifying power and all of these things that they preached a holy life and a holy blood. And Azusa Street comes along behind them and said, but we have the next part of it, the Passover. That's the hyssop, the faith. We have miracles and signs and we dip it in blood. And there on our faith we can see, we can see healings and miracles and signs and wonders. But we're no longer in those days and times. This is not the process where we're in. We are right now in the hour. The message today is to ply the blood as a token, a sign to the death angel that it must pass over my dwelling. And that's where we're at right now. The evening time message is to apply the token. This is our prophet. Now that I'm quoting what he said. The evening time message is to apply the token. That's our message. Now that becomes our message. Can I say it again? That's our message. Our message is now not just collected in a bowl, not just to say the lamb is unblemished, not just to judge it a worthy lamb and collect it in a bowl and then gather our faith, but now take it, take it and apply it. It must strike the door. The doorpost, it must strike the flesh. It must strike the spirit. And it must strike the soul. What is a token? It's not an ambiguous term. Vague and unfamiliar. Brother Bradham said the sign that you must have, the token today. Let me quote it to you exactly. Be sure the token is showing. And the token is the Holy Spirit. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body and made partakers of his glory. Oh, I've got to hurry. 
Now, the covenant containing all the promises and the blessings of God is without effect. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about the covenant now. The covenant is the law, the promises, the word is of none effect without, you know, without effect unless we have the blood, the Holy Ghost. Are you with me now? We have the covenant. I want to just, I want to drive something home here. We have the covenant. Amen. We have the unsealed book. Come on. We have the open book with great revelations. Yet without the blood, the Holy Ghost, its contents are not available to you. No matter how precious the covenant, how great the promises, without the token, it's not available to you. Let me get it clear. Every claim of religious rituals of prayers, of water baptisms, sermons, church attendance, are all ineffective against the death angel. Without the Holy Ghost, the blood, you're subject to the death angel. Every claim or religious rituals, as I said, of prayers, you say, well, Brother Tim, I, I've been baptized correctly in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and that's of vital importance. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Amen. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For, that's for the remission of sins. Yeah. There's no other place, nowhere ever in any, any book of the Bible where anybody was ever baptized other than using the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And it's wonderful, but that is not the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's right. It is not the blood. The blood, the Holy Ghost must be applied to your life, to your house, belonging to church. Whether that church be Branham Tabernacle, Happy Valley, Cloverdale Bible Way, even like Tabernacle, it's not effective against the death angel only the Holy Ghost in its full baptism within the realm of the soul will keep the death angel away nothing else amen Amen. ancestral claims of being a Jew or being a believer are coming from a long line of believers my grandpa my grandmother my mother my dad None of that is of any effect without the token of the blood. Amen. Amen. You, you, can't, you can make any kind of ancestral. Well, they were the, my family, the first to believe the message. Or we sat under this ministry. Or we've been to this church. Or we belong here. None of that is effective against the death angel. There's only one thing effective against the death angel. And that's the blood life of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Nothing else. Well, I'm a good person, though. I don't lie. I don't steal. That means nothing. Amen. Only the Holy Ghost. Oh, well, I believe the word, Brother Tim, all the word. I believe the message of the hour. The devil believes that. And he trembles. But without the blood, all your believing's in vain. And the token message, Brother Bradham said, 
Look, now just to believe it is not enough. To walk around where it's at isn't enough. That's just to make yourself worse. For him that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him it's sin. See, those borderline believers, Jesus spoke of the same thing. He says, apply it, church. Now, don't fail. Don't, 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 don't let the sun set. Don't, 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 don't rest day or night. Don't take no chance. It won't work, children. It won't work. You must have the token. Holy Ghost. You say, I believe. Yes, I, I, go, I go. Yeah, I believe the message. That's all right. That's good. But you must have the token. Do you hear, Branham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. It's not enough to have it in a bowl. It's got to be displayed. It's not enough just on your faith and you said, well, we did a miracle. We had a sign. We had a wonder. I prayed and God God healed. Or, you know, I spoke in tongues or I did this. It's got to be displayed in a life. And he would say, you must have the token. Do you hear Branham Tabernacle? Now he's pressing it on his own church. We're not talking now. We're not talking now to denominational churches. We're talking right now to believers who's heard a message. Amen. You must have the token. You hear Branham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. Without it, all your believing is in vain. See, you'll live a good life. You listen to what the Word says. You go to church and you try to live right, that's fine, but that's not it. When I see the blood, that's the token. Saying that Jesus, the Lamb, is worthy won't keep the death angel away. Your religious slogans saying, I love Jesus, or Jesus' first lapel pin, or or a a tape boy um, lapel pin, or whatever you got, Amen. That that won't keep the death angel away. Saying, I believe all the seals are open. None of that will keep the death angel away. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ won't keep the death angel away. Although it's required part of the Passover, certainly you're not going in the Exodus without repentance and water baptism taken on his name. But that alone is not enough. How many people do you see? Stop right there. They get baptized and never take on the nature of the Lamb. In the message token, I quote this. Now we're living in the shadows and the wrath is ready to strike and God is requiring a token that you, that's a sign now, that you yourself have received his token, the Holy Ghost. It's the only way and the only sign that will ever that God will ever pass because it's, it's the literal life of Jesus Christ returned back to the believer. Amen. Did you hear what the token is? Amen. The sign we're looking for, the literal life of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we're looking for. Amen. That's what the death angel must see. Amen. The literal life of Jesus Christ. Not a profession of faith. Not a church attendance. 
Amen. Not an ancestral claim. Not saying, oh, I got revelation and the seventh seal is open. And hallelujah. Without the truth and the literal life of God, you're under the wrath of God. Reading your Bible. Memorizing its passages. Sleeping with the Bible under your pillow. Praying playing the sermon as you go to sleep. Even with the prophet's voice. Is not going to keep the death angel away. You must have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Within the soul. Where that the literal life of Christ comes on display. Not just a baptism of the Holy Spirit upon your spirit. Let me just, let me just read this to you. Because it stumbles a lot of people when they run across of it. But in leadership, 1965, Brother Bradham's trying to impress this. Because the Pentecostals had went so far to receive the Holy Spirit and a baptism there. But they didn't go far enough. It wasn't taking them far enough. It wasn't sealing them to the day of redemption. Amen. They're still denying the word. Amen. Still, when the word said this, they would turn away from it and go on and do whatever they wanted to do. Amen. And he said, many of you think, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to heaven. That don't mean one thing that you're going to heaven. No, sir. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour in your life and still be lost and go to hell. The Bible says so, uh-huh. That's exactly right. Now you think of that. You can have it every hour and still be lost and go to hell. How in the world, Brother Tim? How in the world? Saul could have an anointing upon his spirit of the Holy Ghost. David could have an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his, upon his, upon his flesh. But I want you to know it's got to be a lot deeper than the flesh realm. But I spoke in tongues. I said it's got to be a lot deeper than even your spirit realm. Amen. Why is it that you can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour of your life and still, still be lost and go to hell? How in the world could Brother Bradham say that? Why? Because you might have the Holy Ghost on your flesh and rub the aisles. You might get him on your spirit and, oh, just bring peace to your conscience. But he must be in the soul. And once he's there, you can never be lost. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can never be lost. The death angel can never get to you. He'll be sealed out. This blood will seal out the death angel. Amen. It'll keep him from using your voice. Working through your body. Using your, using your flesh. It'll keep him from anointing you. Amen. He'll have no part in you. Amen. You'll be able to say like Jesus said, the prince of this world had come and he had nothing in me. He had no part in me. He can't find a way into me. Amen. My flesh is covered. My spirit is covered. My soul is covered. And I'm sealed. And he's sealed out. Amen. 
I'm going to say, but the token is the message. That's a lie. That's not the message. That's not the truth. The token is not the message. The token is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The message is the token. You see, you got it backwards. The message is the token that the blood must be applied. Right. Amen. Amen. So, you know, again, you know, and, and just let me deal with this for a moment, but there's a lot coming out of Jeffersonville that features a cassette over the door saying, you know, and, and teaching children that, that the token is a message. They got it backwards. The message is the token. And the message from God for this exodus is a token, the blood, the literal life of Christ must be applied. Without the blood, all you're believing is in vain. Amen. Amen. Brother Bradham would tell us in the token message, but when I see the token, I'll pass over you. It's God's requirement of the hour. The evening time message is to apply the token. Amen. Satan has thrown all kinds of counterfeits and shaking hands and evidences and everything like that. Forget it. The hour has arrived that the token itself, not some counterfeit, make-believe, substitutionary, anything. The hour is here when the token himself is identifying himself right among us and proving he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's right with the word. It's got to be applied. And a man says he's got the token and denied the word, then what about it? You can't do it. The token's got to be there. When I, the blood, shall be a token unto you. Now the Holy Spirit, the light that was in the blood is a token unto you. Get to it in a moment. See, the Holy Ghost is the token. Now, if tapes were the token, then tapes should have come out of the blood, the body of Jesus to redeem us. Come on. Amen. Push and play will not save you. Only the blood, the Holy Ghost will save you. Amen. Only that. Tapes are not the token. Having possession of every message of the prophet is not the token. If that's so, just hand out an SD card with the sermons on it to everybody. And everybody's got the Holy Ghost has got an SD card. Haven't listened to every sermon. Haven't read every verse in the Bible. That's not the token. Making a profession of faith that you believe the message is not the token. That's just being able to read. The token is, let me say it again, the token is... The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. You say, well, it's upon my soul. If it ain't on your body, it ain't in the soul. Right. You say, well, it's in my soul. If it ain't in your spirit working in your conscience and your reason and your affection, it's not in your soul. Right. You're deceiving yourself. Right. Having all the pictures showing the death angel, the Hoffman's head of Christ, or the pillar of fire photo, putting a Bible on you, won't deliver you from the death angel. We saw that at youth camp. Show them, show, show them a picture of the Hoffman's head. Show them a picture of the pillar of fire. Put a Bible on them. Even quote the Bible. None of that will keep you from the death angel. 
Amen. You can quote it like a machine gun fire and you know no page paragraph or you know Bible to text everything. Oh my goodness, be a theologian of any kind. So is the devil. The name of Jesus can't be used as just a magic word. He must be your life. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham, after he preached the seals, he evaluated his own church. Now, I'm just going to come down to some things right quick. Because Brother Branham evaluated his own church. And this was after the seals. He said, I've been studying my church. I've been examining them. He was troubled because although the seals were preached and the mighty mysteries of God were revealed, there was too many in his congregation that were not prepared for the rapture. Now, I want you to get this. Hearing the seals preached did not make his congregation rapture ready. Amen. Amen. Oh, they were weighty sermons. They were from an angel. They were mysteries revealed, but it wasn't making them rapture ready. Are you with me? Amen. I'm not saying it wasn't the rapture and faith or revelation for a rapture. Sure, it's part of the message of the Exodus. It shows us the land is open to us. But that alone don't do it. The seals certainly opened up scriptures, unveiled its truths. But the knowledge of its mysteries are useless against the death angel. Only the blood, the literal life of Christ applied to your life in a full baptism of the Holy Ghost is effective against the death angel. Just before Brother Branham preaches the sermon on the token that the Holy Ghost is the requirement for the rapture, he, he makes it clear the Holy Ghost is the requirement This is what you must have. It is the token. It's like walking to get on an airplane and you want to get on it without a ticket. You got to have the ticket, the token, the sign. The fare has been paid. And the Holy Ghost is your sign that Jesus paid your debt. And something really happened. And that the life of that lamb has come upon you and it's on display. In your flesh, in your spirit, from your soul. Just before Brother Branham preaches the sermon on the token, showing that the Holy Ghost is a requirement for the rapture, he's recognizing so many of his followers are without it. This realization causes him to preach some sermons to his church. Causes him... He goes into the woods and he hunts and can't even hunt for thinking and praying about the problem. He's he's faced with it. Here's my congregation. They've heard the seals preached. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They know there's one God. They know all of this, but they're missing the token. They're missing something. They're not overcoming Goes to the woods and hunts. Can't even hunt. Goes to the tabernacle and he preaches two sermons. I challenge anybody to look at this and watch his comments. He went to the tabernacle and preached two sermons. 
In both sermons, he's telling him what was bothering him. What was bothering him was what he was seeing in his own church. And his first, his first sermon on the matter is a question. And the question is, how can I overcome? And he establishes somebody's going to overcome. But how can we overcome? And he asks us the question, how can I overcome? Why? Because he's seeing people who's not overcoming. And he's preaching to them, how can we do it? How can we overcome the, this, this habit of sin? How can we overcome? Come on now. How can we overcome this pornography? How can we overcome this adultery and fornication and sins and neglect of church and neglect of Christian duty and neglect? How can we overcome it? And he goes to the church to ask the question, how can I overcome And his next sermon is the answer. And what is the answer? The token. The Holy Ghost. It's the only way you'll overcome. Somebody get in the picture? He's coming. He comes out of the woods and with a question. How can we overcome this? How can we overcome this lukewarmness? How can we overcome this dirty church that is sitting there in a backslidden condition? Haven't heard the seal. Haven't heard the mystery. Haven't heard the truth. How can we overcome this Laodicean, lukewarm, lackadaisical, evil age that we're living in? Only one answer will work. The token. The Holy Ghost. It's the cure for your marriage. It's the cure for your teenage rebellion. It's the cure. For every sin there is, it is a sin cure. He would say in the message, and I encourage you to listen to those two sermons. How can I overcome? And then the token. He says, we are here under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. How many believes he was? The Holy Ghost is among us. And we're here to take reckoning among us to see where our short places are, our shortcoming, and how we can catch from where we should be over to where we ought to be now. How many would like to say that? How can I catch from where, where I am to what I should be? From where I am to where I should be. Amen. And he said, he said, now, when where we ought to where we ought to be, and that's what we study. He said, ministers study those places for their people when they see the people that lack. Yes. And Brother Brandon was seeing a lack in his own church under his own message. Yes. Right. Yes. The death angel's coming, but we're not ready for it. It's gonna be invading pulpits. Invading churches, invading homes, invading hearts. Come on. And we've got to do something to prepare for it. We've got to prepare for a Passover. That when it comes to your house, it passes over. When it comes to this church, it passes over. When it comes, wherever it comes, it's got to have something that makes it pass over.
We're here to take a reckoning among ourselves to see what our short places are, our shortcoming, and how we catch from where we should be over to where we ought to be, where we are and where we ought to be. And that's what we study. Ministers study those places for their people. When they see people, the lack, then they begin on that. And when I see young people come in a prayer line and fall under demonic influence, and when I see adults come in a prayer line and fall under a demonic influence, I'm studying what's the lack. What's the lack? Early on, Brother Branham would see his church, the Branham Tabernacle. He'd see the whole country invaded by demons. He preached a prophetic sermon all the way back in 1954. That actually was before I was born in that year. I was born that year, but it was before, before that earlier in the year. He would preach on the invasion of the USA. If you've never heard it, you need to go listen to it. He would tell you how the death angel was already visiting homes, churches. They were dying. There's death on the door. And they've been invaded. Somehow they're getting in. Though they spoke with tongues. Though they shouted down the aisle. Though they professed Jesus as Savior. He was still getting in. Brother Branham saw his own church being deceived by the world. I, I'm not making this up. This is history. This is a, this. You can find it on the tapes yourself. All you do is just a little study. He would see his own tabernacle, his own tabernacle being deceived by the world. Just as Moses saw the death angel coming into Israel, even so, Brother Branham could see the death angel approaching. Moses a seer, I see him coming. This is what to do to prepare for him. Brother Bradham, I see him coming. He's invading the USA. He's invading homes. He's invading churches. He's invading families. You can see people in his own church who were under a covenant with God. Just like Samson was, but yet they were laying their heads in the lap of a Delilah and their locks of their covenant with God were slyly being cut off and the church was fastly losing its power. That's the last thing I want to see in this church is us lose our power. Amen. We want to have that power. Amen. We want to have that power with God, but it comes with a covenant with God. A sold out, consecrated life. And those seven locks were to be signs of his, of his commitment and his consecration to God. A Nazarite vow that he was holy unto the Lord, but he gave his heart to a Delilah. Yes. Yet his strength to God. I wonder... How many other message churches or how many believers are laying their heads in the lap of Delilah? 
Brother Branham would entitle that first sermon and he would preach it all the way toward the ends of his sermon. Oh Lord, just once more. Just one more time, Lord. Amen. There's a new crop coming on. Oh, that's what gives me, me, me hope today is knowing there's a new locks. Oh, somebody help me. That is growing out. Amen. That the power is returning to the church. Amen. But it also must come with a consecration. And this time the people give their heart to God. A deceived by church by the world. Samson. Samson, the Philistines are on you. On the Branham Tabernacle. Worldliness is creeping in upon you, among you. What about it? Have you exposed your secret? Have you exposed that secret that God gave you when you were wallowing out there in the sawdust a few years ago? Have you let it creep out by formal, social, formal worship? What's happened to you? He's talking to his church. God can come down and perform a miracle and go right on to the audience and tell people the secrets of their heart and everything and heal the sick and afflicted and do signs and wonders and preach his word as hard as they can by the Holy Ghost. And the people say, well, I guess that's all right. We enjoy listening to it once in a while if, it's, if we're not too tired. That's Branham Tabernacle. The Philistines are on you. When it used to be when the preaching of the word and the old saints with the tears in their eyes would rise to their feet and walk sobbing, not saying a word, just walking around two or three times, sat down, so filled with the Holy Ghost, and the word fed them. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Philistines are on the Branham Tabernacle. Philistines is on you, Pentecostal. Of course, the Philistines got you. Rest of you a long time ago when you organized yourself so tight and nothing could come in unless you was Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, or Catholic or something. You wouldn't have nothing to do with the rest of them. And then Brother Branham would tell them how the deception was coming in. And he says, the reason people go and join organizations and substitute a handshake instead of a new birth, they're trying to bypass a new birth. They don't want the new birth. I'm reading from the same sermon, Deceived Church by the World. Here's how the deception's coming in. And the Pentecostal people, they're just as bad trying to substitute something, and they substituted tongues. Instead of a handshake. Are you with me? Amen. You know, today, you know, it's become another organizational thing. We belong to this movement and the message, or that movement and the message. And, and you know, they substitute uh, instead of a handshake, I believe the message, or I believe these, I believe what you're preaching, Pastor. I, I believe these mysteries. I, I believe we, we ascribe to these doctors. That's not the Holy Ghost. Many times they're not even true doctrines, they're false doctrines. And the Pentecostal people, he said, are bad, just as bad trying to substitute something else. And so is it, some will substitute an emotion. And I'll tell you, I don't want to be caught in the same trap of just taking emotion. Amen. We want the reality. 
Come on. Amen. We'll talk about emotion here in a moment because I, I don't believe you can have the reality without emotion. But anyway, he says, we'll shake hands, join the church, be sprinkled or baptized or something. They're afraid of the new birth. I believe sometimes, I sometimes believe the Branham Tabernacle is getting afraid of it. And I'm afraid that's the way it is across the land today. Now, we all know that's a birth. I don't care where it is or where, where what are about. It's a mess. If a baby's born on a shut pile, and let me tell you, Brother Bradham preached this all the way to the end. The same thing, all the way to an end. He used these illustrations all the way to the end. The seals did not change this. Amen. If a baby is born on a shut pile or on a hard floor or in a pink decorated hospital room, it's a mess anyhow. A birth of a calf, a birth of anything else is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people get so starchy. Well, we'll go over where they shake hands or we'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. You want to be too human. What we need is a birth dying out to bring forth new life. A seed, an old potato, seed potato. You take that potato and put it in the ground until they can have new potatoes. That old potato has to rot. A corn can't produce new life unless it's rotten. And a moment of man or a woman can never have new birth until they're intellectuals. Did anybody hear that? They're intellectuals and their own self is rotten, dead, die out at the altar, scream, get all messed up to a place the starch gets out of your collar and you're born again of the Spirit of God. He said, I don't care if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop up like a chicken with his head off. You're bringing forth new life. But we substituted something for it. We want the classical way. And I tell you, many around the message has fallen for that same thing. And they're bringing forth rotten eggs because they've never been with the mate. Christ Jesus. Let me just get this clear. Learning the message does not give you eternal life. And the message leadership, Brother Brandon said, you can learn the message that we're trying to teach. But that still won't give you eternal life. You've got to accept the person, Jesus Christ. Oh, but we don't want them to have an altar experience. We don't want them to have a place of dying out. But if they don't die out, they can never be born again. The seed potato has to rot. The old life has to be left behind. You can't take none of it with you. Amen. Egypt has to to be cut off. We're going home. We're going in an exodus. And in order to get the Holy Ghost... It ain't some magic formula or somebody coming down. Let's just talk to them a minute and pray with them a few minutes. Get down and die out. Die out. Now, in the token message, Brother Branham said, was told by the Holy Ghost, lay it in their laps. How could I be a responsible minister of the message? 
if I don't do it the same way. Lay it in their laps. He's telling us, as Moses did in his day, the death angel is here. It's the hour of death and the hour of the exodus. And every person without the Holy Ghost will be left here for the destroyer to destroy. Brother Bradham would tell us in the token message, you've got to come beneath the blood. Keep the mind, blood, Holy Ghost, blood, Holy Ghost. Now don't just walk about it, talk about it, receive it. Hear me, hear me. In the name of the Lord, hear me. Can you hear this prophet? In the name of the Lord, hear me. See, got to come beneath the blood, Holy Ghost. He was not responsible for persons from beneath the blood. God made it clear that all from under that blood would perish. May I use his words, outside of Christ, all outside of Christ will perish. How do you get in Christ? 1 Corinthians 12, by one spirit. We're all baptized into one body. Amen. That's how you get him, by the Holy Ghost. That's the only way you can get into Christ, by the Holy Ghost. Not by one handshake, not by one membership, by one denomination. That's what they're trying to make it. They may do that, but by one spirit. We're all baptized in that one body. If an angel come from heaven and teaches anything else, Paul said, let him be accursed. That's the message. Come into Christ. Look, any persons outside the token, God's not responsible. God's not responsible for any person, big, small, popular, unpopular, rich, poor, bond, free, male, female. He's not responsible for anybody that's from under the token covenant. He's not responsible for you say, oh, Lord, I did this. I cast out devils. Lord, I did this. I preached the gospel. Depart from me. You that work iniquity, I never even knew you. He only recognizes the token, the Holy Ghost. Every time I say token, you say Holy Ghost. Do you hear it? Say amen. Amen. So now it's upon you. I'm still quoting. Do you hear it? Say amen. Amen. Now it's upon you. Sitting down in the woods the other day, the boys were wondering, here's two days and you didn't even, I didn't even shoot a squirrel. What's the matter? See, that's what it was. Said, place it upon them, place it upon them. You've talked to me about it. Now it's in your lap. It's yours. I told you last Sunday. That's in the message. How can I overcome? I have something I want to talk to you about. This is it. The time that when you just can't play with it. It's got to be done. And if it's ever going to be done, it's got to be done now. Because we see that the wrath is about ready to pass through the land. And everything from under that token will perish. Now watch. He would tell us now what was needed to follow the seven seals. I want you to listen real carefully. Everybody with me right now? Raise your hand. Amen. Everybody's with me. How many wants to know now what's needed to follow the seals? After the token message, he will preach the message, desperations. 
Amen. He said, you know, a message like this ought to throw us into desperations. Not lukewarmness, desperation. I wonder, I wonder we claim to have the message and it throws us into lukewarmness. Backslidden. People won't come to church. People don't pray. People don't tithe. People that never kind of sit, every kind of idol in their home. Amen. Video games is dividing families and ruining homes and, and wrecking and stealing time. And every kind of other thing. Television coming right back in. Amen. All kinds of things coming in through the internet. Unhealthy things. Time taker uppers. Desperations. I believe with all the messages I ever brought, speaking of the token, that absolute was ordained of God. Outside of that, of course, a regular commission like the seven seals and things, that was directly the word of God. I'm talking about a message to preach. I believe that one was it. See, the one that's needed to follow the seven seals. Now, what's what's come after the seven seals? Uniting of the people, united signs, the red light, flashing light of the signs of the of the in the last uh, the red light flashing in the last days, the sign of women getting prettier and men what they would do, and all these signs of the Holy Spirit leading up. And then right back to where they're capping off. Somebody say capping off. Of all of those messages since the seven seals, it's capped off in this one thing, the token. Now, Brother Branham even preaches Christ the mystery, which one will, which... It was on his coming, so many speak of it as the seventh seal and expounding on that. But this caps, or somebody with me, it caps Christ the mystery. So that's the seventh seal, it caps the seven seals. The seventh one. About his coming. So while he's coming in bride form, that's right. How does he get in bride form? By the Holy Ghost. You can't have him in bride form without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The blood. And today when we're denying the blood around the message, when we don't want its atonement anymore and we don't want the bleeding sacrifice anymore. It shows you the condition of the people that are under the curse of the death angel. And that's why they're reading those things between the lines. Man, it don't say nothing what is on the line. What on the line said, this message caps it all off. Token caps it off of all of those sermons. The token. The token that we're all right. Something I want to know. Something you want to know. One Sunday, I don't, be, I don't want to be guessing about it. I want to be assured I'm all right. Amen. See, just check ourselves and see if we're in the faith. I'm in the faith. 
Though I preached, though I ministered, though I, though I shouted, though I spoke in tongues, though I cast out devils, one thing, I must have the token. Amen. That's the truth. We must have it. Amen. Because none of those other things will keep the death angel away. And I'm just going to tell you, that's why I'm here to this day. Because of a token. The one needed to follow the seals. The token, a message that God orders the prophet. He orders the prophet, lay it in their laps. A message on the requirement of the Holy Ghost. Showing that you must be under the atonement of the blood. And not only that you must have it, it must be applied. Where? In your body. In your spirit Amen. and in your soul. Amen. Tell them. Brother Branham is telling them you can't go in just by believing. Even believing all the word. For without the Holy Ghost, all your believing is in vain. It's, it's for nothing. It's just empty believing. Just a profession. You can come along and wave your hyssop all you want to. It's got to be applied. Amen. And then you've got to come under it. Amen. Tell them. In the token message, as we see the great end time signs on this earth today, we know that that's right. Now look, I've waited for, for this. I've waited for this. Brother Craig, listen, I've waited for this for a long, long time for this message to you. And you've seen the end time signs. And I've preached it to you and I've showed it to you by everything that Christ said. Is that right? You'll admit that. We're at the end time. I don't see nothing left. You say, what about the mark of the beast? Those who reject the Holy Spirit is already marked by the beast. The punishment will come later. I just, I just say, is there a people marked by the beast? You can see it in their lives, in their behavior, in their action. It's on display. They're marked by the beast. Come on now. Amen. But there's also people marked by the blood. The Holy Ghost. And it's also visible on their lives. It's visible. I said it's visible. It can be seen by everybody passing by. That man, that woman has been with Jesus. Their life is different. The lamb has died, but it's not just died. The life of that lamb has come back on them. And their nature is changed. They're not the same. Every time I look at him, I see a lamb. I see Christ. I see his life on display. Is the sermon needed to follow the seals? Is a sermon declaring the token? Is the literal life of Christ, the Holy Ghost, and that blood life of Christ, the Holy Ghost, is a prerequisite for the rapture. 
You can't go in the Exodus without the token. Moses stood that day and he was instructing Israel. We're leaving Egypt. I can hear Pastor Moses, Prophet Moses. I've been in the presence of that pillar of fire. I've been in the wilderness now for some days. Oh, I'm going to bring it down a little bit. I was out hunting, but I didn't kill a squirrel. I was studying what is going to be needed. Because I see the death angel coming. What's going to be needed? What must be done? How can we be protected? What will protect us from this oncoming wave of, of sin and judgment that will follow? What can do it? The angel of death and all out from under the blood will die. And you must have the blood as a sign that the lamb has died in your place. Moses instructed, take a lamb. Can I bring it down for a few minutes? Can I have a little more time? Amen. No, I didn't get to preach last Sunday. Hold on your seat. Amen. I want you to, I want you to grasp some things this morning that has been burning on my heart. Moses instructed, take a lamb. A lamb? A lamb is the abomination of the Egyptians. Yes, that's right. It's hated. It's despised. It's looked down on. It's ridiculed. You don't even want to be a shepherd. Shepherd is a Considered a despised one. But take that abomination of the Egyptians and put its blood on the door. I want you to know the world that we're living in hates this Holy Ghost. This homosexual, perverted, bisexual, evil generation, perverted people, they hate Every sign of holiness, every sign of purity, they mock it, they make fun of it, they ridicule it, and they don't want it. And some of you, you'll actually go and wear the perversions of the Egyptians so you can be identified with Egypt because you don't want to be shamed, wear the shame of the holy garments. Of those under the blood. You'd rather put on the paint of the world than have the Holy Ghost look. Moses, take a lamb. God instructed. I want you to know this wasn't Moses' idea. This message is not Brother Branham's message. And it wasn't his idea. It's not his idea about holiness. 
We believe Bible holiness. It's God's idea. It's not I, Brother Brandon's idea about hair. It's God's word. Amen. It's not, it's, it's not his idea about, about you know, I, I, I just see it today. I walked into a restaurant. Some of you see me in there the other day. I was alone. Brother Craig was gone. I was going to get him and, and, and visit with him, but I, he was busy, and, and I, I was just going to visit with him. I had to come into town for some errands. I run into Grace Estates and grab some lunch sitting there by myself. Sister Sherry came over and greeted me. I saw um, you know, Sister Marie there, and we waved and so on. But I was just listening. There's a couple men and women talking about going to church and you know, we go to church and my husband don't go. He's, he goes to the races and while I go to church and, you know, and, and all of this. And man over here, another table over, he's sitting by himself and he's conversing with them. And, and he says, me and my fiance, and I'm thinking, fiance, you just told me you were shacking up and there's no shame. Can you imagine living in a time where that marriage is now mocked, unwanted, despised, looked down on, trodden, and where shacking up becomes glorified? And then just speak it out right in front of it, me and my fiance. Meaning the woman I'm living with. And fornication or adultery. Taking marriage and giving in marriage. What, a, what an age. What a time. Are you with me? Let me, let, me just, let me just read it. In Genesis chapter 46 verse 34. That you shall say. Thy servant's trade has been about cattle from our youth. Even until now both we and also our fathers. That we may dwell in, in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptian. Put them in a place down in Goshen because shepherds are an abomination. God's people are a separated people because of the lamb. Did you hear what I'm saying? In Exodus chapter 8, verse 25, Moses, a Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to the Lord, to your God in the land. And Moses said, It's not meat. To do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of, of the, the, the Egyptians before their eyes. And will they not stone us? We can't sacrifice unto our God the offering that he will accept without being stoned by Egyptians. Are you with me? Amen. Without stones being thrown at us. I want you to hear some things right now. What we, what we are telling you that's got to be applied is an abomination. It is hated by the devil. It is hated by the religious systems. The same one that crucified Christ. And there's even some of it right here in our own midst that disdain the lamb and disdain his blood and don't want to be identified with it. And it's the only means of getting into rapture. Israel coming out of Egypt, quoting Brother Branham, 
was a type of the antitype today. Egypt was a church, and the church, Israel represented the bride, and the bride, Israel come out of Egypt, so does the bride come out of the church. Because yeah. there has to be something there for it to come out of, and it's got to come out of it if it was a type. The church is down in Egypt, in the world, and in sin, and they don't care a tinker about your token. Brother Brandon would say, even that denominational system, Egypt, they don't care a tinker about your token. They don't even believe it. But Israel loved it for its salvation to them. Oh, it should make us happy. It should make our hearts glad. It's our salvation. A holy life is a salvation to our children. A holy life in our families is a salvation to our home. A holy life in our church is a salvation to our church. Do you know why that we, we're still here to this day? Because of the Lamb. Because of the Lamb. Because of Lamb's blood. Because of the Holy Ghost. The token is the Holy Ghost. And Egypt don't care a tinker. That means no care at all. No care at all. No care at all about your token. Now stone you for it. What we sacrifice, our worship, our worship is the abomination of the Egyptians. Hello. The devil hates the preaching of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The devil hates the preaching of a New Testament church. That we can't be a book and church without the power of God and the salvation. The devil hates worship under the power of the Holy Ghost. Our sacrifices of praise is an abomination to the Egyptians. They hate it when we shout. They hate it when we rejoice. And nobody better dare speak in other tongues. Isn't it to an Egyptian? That's a mortal sin. I wonder how many Egyptians and mixed multitudes are among us. A dirty name, stone you, throw rocks. Brother Branham said, under united under one head. But if you had to say, you were Pentecostal, it would dampen your spirit. And that kind of a spirit ought to be dampened. You say it kills the spirit. Well, any spirit that could be killed by the name of Pentecost ought to be killed. That's right. Pentecost is not an organization. It's an experience that comes to all born-again children. Hallelujah. Amen. Do we want to be identified with the Sousa Pentecost? No, we don't. I'll be the first to say it. We want to be identified with the original Pentecost and everything it entails. We are a Jesus name baptizing, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking people that believes all the Word of God. Are you with me, church? Amen. That's who we are. It's an abomination to them, but it's our life. It's what keeps us living. Hallelujah. 
Brother Branham was saying in the Laodicean church age, that's our church age. And that was an inspiration of God to this last age to identify where we're at. And a message to the Laodicea, he said, a good pedigreed horse, hey, he's gentle. Oh, he's good. I like him. You put your head on his shoulder, loving kind. Why? He knows who his pappy is. He knows who his grandpappy is. He knows who his grandpappy's pappy was. He can go plumb on back. He's pedigreed. Hallelujah. I believe in some pedigreed Christians. That are right here in this church this morning. Pedigree. We can go back to the book of Acts. We can go back to the apostle Paul. We can go back to what they had. When Peter said such as I have. Give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Be delivered. Hallelujah. Because we're pedigreed. Amen. We were there where we believed the justification of Luther, the sanctification of Wesley, the, the Holy Ghost gifts of Pentecost. But let me tell you, friend, we're more than that. We are a pedigreed people that can go all the way back to Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And I like to see a real pedigreed Christian not packing his letter. He's a Methodist last week and a Baptist this week and a Pentecostal this week and a Pilgrim Holiness next week. He don't know who his pappy is or who his mammy is. But let me tell you, a man that's born of the Spirit of God can take you plumb back to the day of Pentecost and can tell you he's a pedigreed Pentecostal. Amen. I want to be, this is your prophet, I want to be Pentecost from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I don't mean denominational Pentecost. I mean the real power of the resurrected Christ, the real Pentecostal blessing. Amen. I sab, open your eyes so we can look way back and see where it come from. You're just looking back to what the church is today. Look back and see where it come from. Then keep moving towards God and you'll get away from it. Oh, yeah. You say, Brother Tim, that was in the church ages before the seals. Well, let me give you the shame to 1965 after the seals. Now we notice if somebody says, are you a Christian? It's very much a popular thing to say, oh, oh, I'm a Christian. But do you believe the word of God where it says these signs shall follow them that believe? Oh, even ministers' faces will blush, see? Are you ashamed of, say, of divine healing? Are you ashamed of the full gospel? Are you ashamed of your Pentecostal experience? That's being ashamed of his word. That's his word made flesh in you. A Pentecostal experience is when the word is made flesh in you. He carries on right on down to 10 paragraphs later. He said, now when the calling out time comes, you don't belong to any of it. And it's very popular to say I'm Pentecost. It's very popular to say I'm Presbyterian Lutheran. But when it comes to the time that you have to come out and stand for the word, say I don't belong to any of it, that's embarrassment. Jesus said, now if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. 
I, you know, you know, we we got where we don't want to be called Pentecostal because we don't want to be identified with Azusa Street, but we call ourselves non-denominational. So we we identify ourselves with a bunch of charismatic, come on, prosperity seekers, gift takers, word deniers. And we're quick to say, oh, I'm non-denominational. Well, then you're accepted because, you know, that's a nice group out there. Let me tell you, we don't belong to none of it. Are you with me, church? We don't belong to none of it. He said, now, if you're, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, and, and, um, and he said, then I'll be ashamed of you. Why would he be ashamed of you? Because you're claiming to be his when you won't follow him. What if this little boy, if I said, this little boy, he's my son, he turned around and said, who, me, your son? What do you think I am? It would embarrass me. It would, you, to your son. And that's so, the way that so-called Christianity today, you can name a name of denominational right. They accept the fatherhood of denomination. But when it comes to accepting the fatherhood of the word Christ, no, they're embarrassed. They don't want to say, yes, I have spoke with tongues. Yes, I have seen visions. Yes, I believe in divine healing. Yes, I praise the Lord. I'm free from all organization. I'm not bowing down to any of it. I'm a servant of Christ. Oh my, that would tear them to pieces. Let me just say, prayer lines, altar calls, they're on all abominations to Egyptians. They don't want that kind of worship in their church. The Egyptians want you to think the Holy Ghost is something you get when you receive the word and believe the message. And you better not get emotional about it. It's an abomination to the Egyptian for true worshipers to shout and rejoice about that they have the blood, the Holy Ghost. Oh, the Egyptians just want you dead, dead, dead. They don't want to see no blood on your, in your worship. It's an abomination to them or they'll throw stones at you. The Egyptians mock your Holy Ghost worship. They mock your emotions. Hello? They mock our worship. Amen. Brother Branham said, and if God be with us, where are the miracles? He said, the enemy speaks today. Can I repeat that? The enemy speaks today. The enemy is speaking today. The enemy tries to say that the days of miracles is past. That there's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that this is only a motion. It's only a workup. So the enemy is challenged and his challenge must be met. And the only way we can meet the challenge of the day when denominations call the people away and put them in this organization, that organization will let them women cut their hair, wear makeup, and men live all kinds of lives, live as trustees and deacons and pastors in the church because he got some kind of PhD or LLD is a requirement. Jesus never required a man to have that. And he don't require LLDs and PhDs in the message theology either. Does somebody get that? Amen. Amen. He doesn't require that. Jesus' requirement was wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Then you are a witness to me. And that meets his challenge. That met the enemy's challenge. 
that met in that day it'll meet it in this day and today the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious groups have tried to prove that this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion see it just won't stand up according to their scientific theory well I'd like to ask them then what makes them change what makes the drunkard stop drinking what makes the prostitute cease her evil life what makes the cancer and the diseases depart from the people and the deaf and dumb and blind and the dead to raise up explain that is that emotion it has emotion with it certainly anything that had that's alive has emotion and anything that doesn't have emotion is dead and excuse the expression but I think we ought to bury some of this emotionless religion then because it's dead it has no emotion to it any religion that has not emotion should be buried uh huh because it, it is emotional Jesus, when he entered the city, the children and all of them, all his friends cried, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. And those religionists of that day couldn't stand it. It was too emotional. And he said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Something must cry out because life is there. Because life is there. Amen. Oh, it's not emotion. But when it happens, it is emotional. It itself is not emotion. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. Even even the death angel, when it when it passed over, it wasn't just an emotion, just a feeling. It was real. But I tell you what, after the pass was made, there was sure a lot of rejoicing that he couldn't land here. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a lot of shouting going on. I just saw him go over, Daddy. He looked like a bat with hair hanging down him, and he was snarling as he came. But when he saw the blood, he backed up off of that blood, and he went over. It was a Passover. A Passover. Because of the blood was applied. It was applied to my body. It was And he had to pass over because yes. there wasn't one place in the entrance Amen. that he could get in. Oh, hallelujah. What a message we got, church. I say, what a message. Amen. This is a message of the, of the Exodus. Amen. The token, the Holy Ghost must be applied. He would tell us in Zerubbabel that this would be a message of grace. And the message isn't shouting. The message isn't good feelings. The message isn't dancing. The message isn't rejoicing. That's not the message. And that's not the token. You can jump up and down. You can dance. You know, like the old Pentecostal brother once said, you know, well, you know, so, um, you know, there at the, at the gate called Beautiful, he leapt for joy. Yeah. So he said, if you don't have joy, just start leaping for it. Well, you can leap all you want to. Yeah. 
and it ain't going to bring no joy. Amen. You got to have something happen and then joy follows. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's exactly right. It, it, it ain't emotion, but emotion's with it. Amen. Come on. God hates emotionless religion. He wants you to rejoice in the God of your salvation. Can I tell you how he said the message would come? He said in the capstone. How many believes the capstone is here? And the capstone comes down with shoutings. Grace, grace unto it. Hallelujah. Here is it comes down. It's received with shouting. It's God's favor. It's God's love. It's God's mercy to give us a Kavanaugh message after the seals. We don't shout it down. You can't shout it down. We can't shout it down, but we can sure shout as it comes down. I'm afraid if you ain't shouting, you hadn't recognized it has come down. You don't think those Israelites rejoiced and cried and shouted when that destroyer passed over their house? There's a joy that comes with the passing over the death angel. It's the joy of our salvation. You know, that's one thing that the devil took away that has been restored back was joy. The joy of our salvation. You know, people, people wants, wants a message. And he said, Brother Brandon said, this palmer worm comes along and said, begin to eat the fruit of, of joy out. And said, now look here, you people are making too much noise. I tell you, all this crying, this saying amen, this shouting, that's nonsense. There's nothing that. See, palmer worm, they're Egyptians, they hate they hate the lamb's blood. They hate the life of that lamb. First thing you know, he's set in a big morgue. You know, all of them set there, all of them dead. Some of them with embalming fluids of so-called doctrine of creeds pumped in their veins where the Spirit of God ought to be running. Woo! That reminds me of a lot of message churches. They've been so pumped full of theology and knowledge and understanding and intellectualism until, until you see they're so icy cold that their spiritual but thermometer is 90 below zero. Some other churches you say amen that would stretch their necks around to see what kind of goose or, or something or want to know what was said. It's a shame when the spirit of God ought to be love, joy, peace. But this old bug started eating on it and he ate all the joy away. Well, I thought we had a message of restoration. If we did, it restored back the joy to our salvation. If you've got salvation, it ought to be the glorious thing that you ever had. Something for you to shout about. Something you to rejoice over. Oh, hallelujah. But you know, today, oh, and I'll step on some of your toes right here. Oh, you better draw your... Put on your steel toe boots right quick. Because here it comes. And man, today if you dare have Holy Ghost worship, they want to throw stones at you. You're rock and roll. No, sir. We don't want rock and roll in the church. What we have 
The Egyptians may have rocked it up. And they may have taken the same song and offered it with satanic music. But our music is sanctified to God. Amen. In the sermon, Believe in God at Branham Tabernacle, Brother Branham had some young men to play the cloud and the fire on the piano and the drums. 1952, you ought to go listen to it. You'd be surprised to know that the snare drums were playing there as they, as they played that song there and worshiped God. The Only Believe magazine, Sister Hattie, Hattie Wright was interviewed and said she loved going to the Branham Tabernacle because she loved hearing the music where somebody played that old bass drum. Amen. In the, in the book of Psalms, Praise ye the Lord, Psalms 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Where in his sanctuary? Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty act. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery in the heart. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. And praise him with stringed instruments and organ. And praise him with the loud cymbals. And praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything. Are you a king today? Let everything that breathes breath. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. to become an Egyptian and throw stones. Why don't you get in and worship with all of your heart and bring the presence of God down by, by accepting the spirit of praise. Psalms chapter 29 and verse 1 said, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give him all you got. Give him all you got. Put everything that you got in you. Amen. Put it, put it to work. Give unto the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The token. The sign that the Holy Ghost, the life of the blood has been applied to our life is what's needed to be preached after 40 years. Think of this. Brother Craig. We have preached the seals and the open book and the mighty angel for nearly 40 years. We have dissected it and looked at it and preached it from this angle and that angle for nearly 40 years. Can you bear with me just a moment? Amen. We've been preaching how we got off. We've been discovering where we got off through the ages. It is time now to come back to a book of Acts church. We need power over sin. We need divine healing. We need miracles. We need old men to dream dreams and young men to see visions. We need a supernatural gospel. Amen. Look, we got preachers today stolen their great revelation of the seventh seal. That the bride is him. 
And she is. And that she's his body. And she is. And that Christ is here in bride form. And he is. That she is the mystery of God revealed. And she is. The mystery of Christ revealed. And I just want to say to you, I'm glad you brothers finally got it. I'm not being facetious. I mean that. I'm glad you caught up. That you realize the bride is him. She's his body. Christ is here in bride form. She's a mystery of Christ revealed. And this is his, his phases of his coming. I'm glad you got it. I remember, I remember when it dawned to me what God did. And I rejoiced. I'm glad you can rejoice in it. I'm glad you finally got it. But you're 40 years behind. We got that years ago. And it's been hashed and rehashed. And I'm glad you're excited. And let me just say, I'm still excited about it. I can preach he's here in bride form and rejoice and shout about it. I'm excited. I'm excited about every aspect of this message. I'm excited that the seals are open, that the mighty angel came down. I'm excited. I'm excited that all the mysteries concerning the bride has been revealed. I'm excited I don't have to read between the lines. It's already been said what was between the lines. I'm excited we've received our last prophet. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Amen. I'm, I'm glad you finally got it. So, well, the bride's the last prophet. and You can't find that in the message. The bride's not the prophet. The, prophet, uh, the bride is, the, is the, the wife of the lamb. Amen. There's a prophetic ministry and there's a bride ministry. And yeah, we prophesy again, but that's not being a prophet. We've had the last prophet to the last age, and we can't change anything that's already been said. Amen. Are you with me? But I'm excited about it. I'm glad you're excited. But I'm disturbed as the prophet was that even after the supernatural revelations were night after night after night, the angel came bringing the voice of thunders that people who intellectually understand the seals are still missing the token, the literal life of Christ. I'm disturbed that understanding seals didn't bring Christ. It brought knowledge. And because of the lack of this revelation of Christ personally to you, this is why there's so many division among us. This is why the tangents, a different line of thought than what the messenger had is running here and running there and running there because they missed the life. They missed the message. The message after the seals. And that's why some don't believe in the literal and physical return of the Lord anymore. Because they spiritualized it all. It's because they missed the life of Christ. And that's why some are spewing out this nonsense that they can read between the lines. That's nonsense. And it only leads to, it only leads to perversion. Sin. Perverting the message. And the message is no longer pure. 
And I'll tell you why they're doing it. They missed the light. They missed the main thing. And that's why there's someone to think that they can remit sin by subscribing to certain doctrines. The only way you can remit sins is as it did on the day of Pentecost. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way sins are remitted. Not even doing what believers are supposed to do. You know what believers are supposed to do? Believers are supposed to cast out devils. Amen. The believers cast out devils. The preacher preaches. And through preaching, they cast Satan out. And when Satan cast out, the person can be filled. Amen. And if our preaching is not casting out devils and bringing people to an altar repentant, we're just passing along an intellectual understanding. And that's why miracles don't happen among you because you've never been a miracle. You have to become a miracle to see a miracle. But let me close in this from the token message. Now we're living in the shadows and the wrath is ready to strike. And the shadows have only got deeper and darker since then. And God is requiring, everybody say requiring. God is requiring a token, a sign that you have received this token, the Holy Ghost. It is the only way and the only sign that God will ever pass because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ returned back to the believer. That's where we're going to stop today. This is a time of action. This is a time to be a book of Acts. This is a time for sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind to fill houses. Body, spirit, soul. It's a serious hour. Time to play church is over with. It's time you've got to be dedicated like you've never been before. Consecrated. Surrendered. Bow your heads together. I want you to change positions, so stand and just bow your heads. Well, you can change positions here just for a moment. Yeah, I get it that the book of Acts church had its troubles, its trials. And those that Paul called false brethren, but that's not what's being restored. What's being restored is the acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. We don't need a restoration of its troubles, of its false doctrines, of its evils. Yeah, all of that was in and will be in every church, every age. But what we need restored is not that. What we need restored is the acts of the Holy Spirit. 
in the church. What about the acts of the Holy Spirit in your life? That you realize the seriousness of where we're at at this time. That there comes a desperation. Daddy. How can this be? How come this idol worship's going in our home when the unleavened's supposed to be gone? Daddy? Honey? Well, why, why is it? Why is it the sin is still working and my life is not changed? Why is it that the nature of the life of Christ isn't there? Oh, I can talk a good talk, and yeah, I believe the message, and I'm making a good profession of faith. But what I really need is that life of Christ. I just want you to make your own heart an altar right now. Just let it be a time of examining. Not examine the lamb. The lamb's worthy. If you don't know that by now, you'll never get it. But I wonder, is the blood applied? Is the blood applied? Is the Holy Ghost, can it be seen on your flesh? Can it be displayed? Is that Holy Ghost, can it be displayed on your spirit realm? Is that Holy Ghost there in that soul? Can everybody passing by see the token? See the sign? See the proof that you really accepted that lamb and he's in your house. I'm asking you today, is the lamb there? I hear Brother Branham saying, and how can I overcome as he looked toward this and he's examining. I think the church maybe should be taking a little step higher at this time. Oh my. We're so high in knowledge. The seals have been opened. We've had questions and answers. And Christ the mystery. And we've had all these wonderful revelations. And he said, I think the church maybe should be taking just a little step higher at this time. And he said, I don't plan on doing it this morning and showing these things. But I think shortly, the Lord willing, before we preach on those trumpets, I want to bring the church just something that you should know. I believe now. What about you in your life? I'm just asking you, don't you want another step higher? How many realize this today? I need another step higher. I need another step higher. I've had the Holy Ghost cheer. I've spoken tongues there, or I shouted, or I did this, or I believed the message. Brother Tim, don't you believe that was really the Holy Spirit leading me to the message? Yes, I do. Don't you believe, Brother Tim, that was really the Holy Spirit that caused my heart to believe it? Yes, I do. 
when I got rid of that habit a while back don't you believe that was the Holy Spirit I do don't you think brother Tim the Holy Spirit let me see the lamb was worthy I do that was all him what about another step higher step higher this is a token applied to you to you can everybody passing by at your work your school your home a lot of times home that's where he's not seen daddy lets his hair down there his anger shows his temper tantrums his ways his, his secret sins family sees it where is he displayed is he displayed are you displaying the token do you have it to display maybe you just need to go back and examine the lamb to see if he's worthy maybe you just need to see is this message a real true message if it's the truth then I owe my life to it I'm all my all to it. If you just need to say, is it in my the way I walk, the way I dress, my behavior, the things I look at? Am I given have I, have I not have I not done what I need? You say, Brother Tim. comes in it's there on my cell phone my smartphone well you know if your hand offends you cut it off how much more get rid of that thing and to get you an old flip phone or something I don't care what something that you ain't opened all of that that's been your weakness shut the door on it shut the door on it I don't say you I believe you can have the Holy Ghost and have a smartphone I believe that It'll dictate everything you look at. It'll bring your body subject. This is not a time of just do's and don'ts. This is a time of, is the nature of the Holy Spirit in my life? Is the lamb, has it come back upon me? Where am I in my walk with God? I want to bring to church something that you should know. You must know this. The token, the life has got to be applied. Just examine your life. If the word tells you don't do this, are you still questioning it? why and how come and why can't I well the answer is really simple because it's just a gate to the death angel that's why it ain't that God wants to be demanding and Lord over you he's protecting you from the death angel you should ask in your own life today 
Can I go up another step higher, Lord? I've applied the blood over here. I've got it. But today I, I want it applied all the way. A full surrender. Completely. I don't want nothing, I don't want nothing left out. Man, I don't want to be in and my feet hanging out. I don't want to be in and my heart hanging out. I want to be all the way in. I want to be sold out, consecrated, dedicated. Life of God. Brother Brandon would ask his own people. Brandon Tabernacle, are you laying your head in the lap of Delilah? Is something shaving your power off? Have you forgot where he brought you from? If you forgot this message was to call you to a holy life and consecrated and separated, have you forgot? Have you forgot what you're really supposed to be? Isn't it time you come to him? Well, my grandparents, my, my dad, my mom, they were believers. It don't mean a thing. You can't grandfather your way into this message. You can't be a grandchild of God. You have to be a child of God. I want you just to look at your life. Just talk it over with him real soberly. Not only this, I want you to take this home with you. I want you to take those things and die out to that sin that so easily besets you. Die out that unbelief die out to that evil die out be filled with God Lord fill me with your spirit I must have you Brother Branham talked about old timers old timers he said the old timers are letting the blood get off the door I wonder how many old timers here say that's me huh I've kind of neglected its applications. And I want to apply it afresh today and anew. I want that blood applied. There's some little things I've let slip in, some little areas. I want it closed off to the enemy right now. I want it surrendered to God. I want to be wholly His. I want to be dedicated consecrated holy unto the Lord where he could say Israel is my firstborn I wonder could you be a firstborn today to be some born of a spirit washed in his blood let him do that work today let him do it I feel the pull invite him to come to your pew right now I hear the call And I know His Spirit's moving Do you hear what it said? To give my all He speaks He speaks And I agree can you agree with the Spirit right now? No. 
worship him now from the bottom of your heart I feel the pain Right now, for those lost children, that man, those lost husbands. 